0: The scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: When, when Dorothy and her three friends made it to the end of the yellow brick road and finally stood before the great and mighty Oz, do you know this story? When, when they finally stood before the Wizard of Oz, the sight they beheld was breathtaking. Remember, there's fire and smoke and flashes of light and loud voice. It it was glorious until Dorothy's little dog, Toto, pulled back the curtain and revealed that behind all this glory was nothing but a man, ordinary man. Peter, James, and John had the exact opposite experience. They they climbed a mountain with what appeared to be an ordinary man, a carpenter from Nazareth named Jesus. But when the curtain was pulled back for just a moment, they they saw that behind this ordinary man was glory. Verse 32 says, they saw his glory. One, One author has written the most common use of the word glory in the Bible is to describe the splendor and holiness and majesty of God. Gloriness in, glory in this sense is often associated with a person experiencing God's presence in a tangible way. He writes, when used this way, the word glory conveys a sense of heavy dignity. They saw His glory. Now what did these disciples learn? about the glory of Christ. Two things. First, they learned that his glory is great. They saw the greatness of his glory. Verse 29 says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And uh, we heard from the passage earlier in the, pass- in the service that, that that used to happen with Moses, right? Moses would pray. He would spend time talking with God. And his face would change. In appearance, he would come back from prayer and there would be this glow to his, to his countenance, this kind of glow. But the glow on Moses' face, it was very limited in its brightness. He could, he could just cover it up with a veil, right? Just a piece of clothing. You couldn't see it anymore. But the glory of Christ was so great. Even his clothing couldn't hide it. Verse verse 29 says, his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Now, they tell us that the light from a lightning bolt is equal to the illumination of a hundred million light bulbs. Lightning is apparently 600 times brighter than the sun. I have a friend who, when he was a little boy, uh, he looked at a solar eclipse with his bare eyes for just, just a few seconds for decades after that moment every time my friend close, closes his eyes he sees that eclipse it's just burned onto his retinas that's 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 how bright the sun is can you imagine looking at something 600 times brighter than that that's that's the image that luke uses to describe the glory of christ and someone says well was luke just exaggerating maybe But maybe not. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, the sun, S-O-N, the sun is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact representation of his being. When the apostle John saw Christ in his his exalted, glorified form, in, in Revelation 1, John said, his face shone like the sun in all its brilliance. His glory is great. Verse 30 says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious sp- splendor talking with Jesus. What's the deal with Moses and Elijah? Well, in, in the first century, Jewish people, they would often refer to Scripture, the whole of Scripture, they would call it the Law and the Prophets. That was just another way of saying the Bible, the Law and the Prophets. The Law was given through Moses. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets. So these these two men, they were essentially the, like, the, the, the physical human embodiment of the law and the prophets. Moses is Mr. Law, Elijah is Mr. Prophet. They represent the whole of Scripture. And you you know what's weird about this passage? In the, in the presence of Christ, Moses did not want to talk about the law. Elijah had no interest in discussing the prophets. The the law and the prophets were not interested in the law and the prophets. All they wanted to do was just talk about Jesus. Did you see that? Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Verse 31 says, they spoke about his departure. In in Greek, the word translated departure, it's the word for exodus. They didn't talk about Moses' exodus. They talked about Jesus' exodus. They talked about his departure, which he was to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So isn't that weird? Mr. Law and Mr. Prophet, all they want to do is just talk about Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to two of his disciples and it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How, how great is the glory of Christ? Well, all of, all of scripture, the law and the prophets, the entire revealed word of God, it's primarily focused on him. Some of you may be actors and, you know, if, if you're an actor and you land a role in a Hollywood movie, that is quite an accomplishment. If they, if they offer you the lead role in a Hollywood movie, that's a big deal. But if, listen, if a Hollywood studio invests millions of dollars to make an entire movie just about you, a biopic about you, you must be something else, Right? Well guys listen to me. Jesus doesn't just play a lead role in the Bible. The whole Bible in one way or another it's all about him. In John chapter 5 verse 39 Jesus was speaking to the Bible scholars of his day. Here's what he said. He said, "You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life." He said, "These are the very scriptures that testify about me. The whole Bible revolves around Jesus. The New Testament tells us that not only does the whole Bible revolve around Jesus, but the whole universe revolves around Him. Colossians 1, verse 15 and 16 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Did you catch that? All things were created for Jesus. Every mountain in the world um, was created for Jesus. Every forest was created for Jesus, every ocean created for Jesus. Every bird in the sky, every fish in the the sea, every angel in heaven, every demon in hell, created for the glory of Jesus. You were created for Jesus. Everything that exists exists for for His glory, for His honor, for His pleasure, for His, His praise. It's all about Him how great is the glory of Jesus look look at this verse 34 says a cloud appeared and covered them and they were they were afraid as they entered the cloud verse 35 says a voice came from the cloud saying this is my son whom I have chosen listen to him in in the context of Luke chapter 9 that's fascinating if you read this chapter throughout Luke chapter 9 Different individuals keep um, making comments as to their understanding of the identity of this man, Jesus. In verse 9, King Herod says, Who is this Jesus? In, In verse 19, it says, Some of the people were saying, He's John the Baptist. Others were saying, He's Elijah. Others were saying, no, he's one of the prophets. Then then in verse 20, Peter, he gets closer than anyone. He says, you are the Messiah of God. You're God's anointed king. And and then after all these different individuals opining as to their understanding of the identity of Christ, in, in verse 35, God himself renders his verdict as to who Jesus is. And he says, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So on that mountain when the curtain is pulled back for just a moment and the disciples see the glory behind this ordinary man, the first thing they learn is that his glory is great. The second thing they learn is that his glory is good. It's good. Philip Yancey, the author, has written extensively about his experience growing up in a a very unattractive um, harsh form of fundamentalist uh, Christianity. Um, the church he grew up in was really stern and, and very racist and very hypocritical, and you never heard much about grace there. And by the time Yancey was done with high school, he had had it with Christianity. He, was, he says he was inoculated against the Bible. He wanted nothing to do with it. But when he was in college, he came to genuine faith in Christ. And he says the three things that led him to faith in Jesus were, first, the beauty of nature, he would, he would take day hikes in the mountains near his campus and just be overwhelmed by how beautiful the uh, the forest was. So first, the beauty of nature. Second, classical music. He's a pianist, and so he would play the music of Tchaikovsky and other composers, and his heart would just ache with joy for the beauty of this music. So it was the beauty of nature, the classical music, and then third thing, he fell in love. He fell in love with a a, a, a woman at his school. She fell in love with him, and, and, and something in his heart just began to open. So you would say this. This, it, it was this growing hunger for beauty that led this man to Christ. And someone might say, why, why would a hunger for beauty lead anyone to Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus Christ is beautiful. He's just so beautiful. His glory is is good. What I mean by that, His glory satisfies the longings of the heart. Now, in this passage, we learn that from from the words of Peter. Have you read about Peter in the Bible? You you know, one of the impressions we get about Peter in the New Testament is that Peter Peter was one of these people who just had no filter, all right? Just whatever came to mind without thinking would blurt it out, just and maybe you have maybe you have a friend like that. They're just all they never think, they just no filter, they say whatever comes to mind. If you have a friend like that, I would imagine from time to time your friend says some things that are embarrassing, says some things that are awkward, but you know, it can be really really helpful to have that kind of friend. You know why? Because if you have a friend with no filter, you always know the truth, right? For, for example, let's say you throw a dinner party for some friends and you, you decide to try out a new recipe on them. You'll never really know if it was good, if they liked the food, because you, you, most guests will be polite. Even if it was horrible, they'll say, oh, oh, thank you very much. This was so delicious. We've had a good time. They won't tell you. But if you have a friend like Peter, you'll know, right? If the, if, if the food wasn't good, your friend will say, it's not good. If the food was good, your friend will say, it is good. So what did Peter, Mr. No Filter, blurt out instinctively, instinctively when he saw the glory of Christ? Verse verse 33, he said, it is good. It says, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good good for us to be here let us put up three shelters one for you one for Moses one for Elijah and then Luke adds he didn't know what he was saying right he's like can we just camp out here can we can we can we pitch some tents I don't want to leave he said master it's good for us to be here now did you notice he didn't say master it's good for you that we are here aren't you lucky to have such wonderful disciples no he said master this good for us this is so good for us to see this. There are different words in the Greek New Testament that you translate good. And this, this particular word, it means good, but it, it conveys this idea of, of something that's beautiful or pleasant or, or uh, enjoyable to experience. One version of the Bible translates Peter's word, Master, it is wonderful for us to be here. The glory of Christ. Do you know this? So beautiful, so satisfying, so good. My, uh, my grandmother was an illegitimate child who never knew the identity of her father. Uh, she was raised in, in poverty in, a, in an unbelieving home, the only child of a single mom. And when she was in her early 20s, someone invited her to this little church in this small town where she lived in the Midwest. And at that church, someone told her about Jesus. She followed him for the rest of her life. I've been told um, these are the lyrics to what was my grandmother's favorite hymn. The, The song goes like this. All my life long, I had panted for a drink from some cool spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Feeding on the husks around me till my strength was almost gone, my soul longed for something better, only still to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. But hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood, I now am saved. Well of water, ever springing, bread of life, so rich yet free, untold wealth that never faileth. My Redeemer is to me. See, the glory of Christ is great, but it's not just great. It's good. It's good for us. It's good for you. It's his glory is the highest good. It's the richest treasure. It's the greatest beauty. I don't know if you've understood this yet, but His glory is the one thing, the one thing you were created for. You were created to enjoy that. Let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever felt empty inside, even after you've just consumed a delicious meal? Or have you ever felt bored even even though you've got Netflix and Spotify and video games that are a house full of books. Hey, have you ever felt lonely in the presence of many friends? We've all felt these things, haven't we? You ever wonder why? C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I would phrase it this way. Guys, listen. Why is there that emptiness? Why is there that ache? Why is there that longing? We were created for another age, the age that is coming, when Christ will return and we we'll see his glory. You were created to see his glory. It is so good. And when we see him, we will say, as Peter did, oh, Master, it's good for us to be here, so good. So have you come to know Jesus yet? If you haven't, um, he's, he's waiting. Whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, his, his arms are just open wide. The deepest longing of your heart, he will satisfy. And for those who do know Jesus, <laughs> You know how we get so distracted. Does this happen to you? You're like, oh, life stinks. It's cold. There's bad things happening. And, 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 and sometimes we just need to be reminded. Of the greatest, listen, believer, the greatest treasure that anyone could ever inherit or find has been given to you in Christ. Rejoice. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we lift up the name of Jesus. We rejoice in his goodness and power. We thank you that he is a sovereign king over everything, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, that we woke up this morning in a world that is under the complete control of our Savior. And we thank you that he is a king who is so good, so loving, so compassionate, so welcoming, so tender. He is so good. We thank you for him. We thank you that in your mercy you've, you've, you've invited us to be his people for his glory. Amen.